to the Real Rural Women's Leadership podcast series. This project is funded through the Department of Agriculture, Water and Environment. It is led by Care Ballon in St. George, Ballon Shire in southwest Queensland in conjunction with a team of researchers led by Dr. Sarah Casey at the University of the Sunshine Coast. The team includes Dr. Gail Crimmins, Dr. Saskia de Klerk and Dr. Karen Hands alongside Professor Jackie Hewitt from Griffith University. This podcast series is about building women's capacity, empowerment, strategic communication, and business leadership skills. This series is eclectic. We interview community and business leaders, entrepreneurs, academics, communication and media experts, an empowerment and confidence leader, and CEOs, the agitators and the advocates. Our hope is that this series might act as an inspiration and information toolkit for others. You can find more information about our project at www.realruralwomensleadership.com. All episodes contain show notes about the guests with links to their stories. So settle in and enjoy the series as together we chat with these remarkable women. Okay, so thank you very much for joining us, uh, Helen Tatchell from the Murrabool News. And Helen comes to us. Uh, with a really interesting background in relation to how she got into journalism and she's going to talk to us about that today. But really importantly, Helen's going to share some stories about uh, how how local newspapers have managed to survive in Moorabool in a really interesting way. Uh, So welcome, Helen. Thank you. Helen's already uh, told me that she's a self-taught journalist and has been uh, doing this job for about 18 years. Uh, So thank you so much for joining us, Helen. And I can already hear some phones ringing busily there in the background of the newsroom. So welcome. No, thank you for having me. Helen, can we start with a bit of your background? So uh, you were telling me this earlier, but it would be great to share this with the people who end up listening to this podcast. How did you get into journalism and how did the Murrabool News come to be? All right, if I can keep it brief. Uh, the Murrabool News came about because we have two major towns in, in our shire, which are Buckus Marsh and Bland. Bland already had a local newspaper that was a paid paper. Um, there wasn't enough demand. It was always run independently, so it relies on advertising revenue and sales. That wasn't enough to keep it going as printing costs, uh, everything increased. It's just every town used to have a newspaper. Bacchus Marsh had one taken over by Fairfax, ACM, and, and, they, and they lost their local content um, in the, in the larger, larger ownership. So then, um, so Belan, uh, that was going to fold. The community ran it for about three years with funding, didn't work. So they had a public meeting to say, we're losing our newspaper. So husband and a business associate, came back, I think they bought the masthead for a dollar and came back and said, oh, I bought a newspaper, mm, joy. So they ran it themselves out the back. They had some people come in and uh, we had a meeting with someone and they said, will this paper survive? And she said, if you have a second job. So, and she was true. That that was true, true words. Now it actually runs off its own. It can hold its own. Took a while, but our husband and um, our friend put in probably over 100000 minimum each to keep it running for a few years till it could stand on its own two feet so and became a credible. So um, Rural News came about because we created a Bacchus Marsh News because Bacchus Marsh community really loved the Bolan News. So we had two, two newspapers running on a Tuesday and a Thursday 
And then husband came out and said, why don't you just merge it into one and call it the Moorable News, which we did. And that comes out on a Tuesday. We now have a um, distribution of uh, 12,000 free copies each week. That, that, can, that can go up and down depending on walkers to deliver it. And, of course, with advertising revenue as well. COVID hasn't been kind to us, but we aren't the only ones in that situation. So, Helen, a couple of things that come from that for me. Uh, is it is it normal for husbands to come home and say, guess what I bought, <laughs> newspaper? <laughs> yeah. Probably not. Um, well, it didn't really matter because um, I was concentrating on the transport uh, business and so what he did or does, as long as that didn't sort of affect the running of that, um, and, and that's where it where it was. I, I did actually the rural mail run prior to that in our area. So when I stepped into this role, someone from council said, you just fit right into this <laughs> because uh, I knew where everyone lived. Um, and I, you know, I've been here for 30 years. So I came with um, good background for the role um, and not having, and I wasn't a journalist at all. I knew lucky to have I passed you 10 English um but you know you learn as you go along and I think that's life experience is is invaluable so Helen the postmistress knows everything that goes on in a local community uh I have a a great great auntie who was a postmistress a very nosy postmistress in fact (laughs) (laughs) it wasn't actually the postmistress I did a, a rural mail run so but it was nearly 200, um, it was over 200 kilometres a day actually. So, but, yes, they, I have um, a need to know. Uh, ever since I came to this town, um, I have a need to know about everything. Why is that happening? Everything that the kids did, um, I, I was a volunteer on and I needed to know why are they going there, why is that happening? And um, so I guess it's a sticky nose maybe. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's the... It's the underpinning and the basis of a, of good journalists and great journalists, in fact. Mm. The need mm. to know is what drives uh, journalism mm. or what should drive journalism. Mm. Uh, the other question that came out of what you just said for me and hopefully the listeners will, will be interested in this is why did your family want to save this newspaper? Why did you want to see it keep going? I think uh, husbands saw the importance, and that's what I see today, the importance of a uh, of a newspaper. It's a connection to the community. Yeah. You keep your community connected. And and that's and this is before online and everything, and we can still do it today. People love to hold the paper. Now, they say, I read it online, but I love to hold it as well. And um, my grandkids are just starting to read it. They're um, five and three, five and four, and they come over and get the paper because they want to see if there's anyone from their schools that are in there and stuff like that. So, yeah, the importance is the connection and also historically we're an archive. You don't get that with online. Yeah, so the the newspaper as the recorder of history is the first Mm. version of history. Uh, mm. has been important over the years and clearly it still is in uh, in Moorable. Yes, definitely. So I, I want to talk to you shortly about some issues or not really issues because issues seem, that word seems problematic, but I want to get your perspective on what leadership involves, particularly in your role. But mm. 
before we go there, I want to talk a little bit more about the, the role of regional and rural and local newspapers because we have seen these newspapers dying out, uh, mm. particularly in the last couple of years with the acquisition of mastheads by major corporations and, you know, the closure of those mastheads. Uh, so what do you think is the future of local local news? And I know what I just said sounded really negative, but in that space what we've seen is all independent newspapers like your own starting to arise. So what do you see as the future of local rural newspapers? Well, during this time in COVID, and, and I'll just go back a step where you said about the, the major corporations who are closing newspapers, and um, I saw that during COVID as a bit of a um, boardroom arrogance, and I have said that on um, radio, I, I do believe it's all about the profits. It's all about the money. Where We have seen, and I know of um, a couple of newspapers down around us that have actually started up. They started a newspaper. Their local newspaper closed, uh, which was by a major ownership, and so someone that already had a paper said, well, I'm going to start it up. So they did, and it's going actually quite nicely, and the people respect that. And then, again, the government gave the larger corporations money to open their newspapers again, but I think that they will probably close with that once that funding runs out. So the importance of um, the local newspapers um, is, is, again, I'm going to say this often, is to keep the community connected, and and that's what they want. That's what that and. We had during COVID, if I may touch on that subject for a moment, and this was in 2020, people would come up to me and say, don't put anything in the newspaper, Helen, about COVID. We're sick of it. And it was very hard for us to cover because uh, it changed daily and we were weekly. So we didn't really cover too much on COVID, but people really appreciated their, I think during COVID, people really appreciated their local paper because they couldn't go anywhere. And they can still see us online and um, we don't have a paywall. And, um, yeah, so they could still be connected. And it was good news. They, they, and we're finding that's what's happening. People aren't watching mainstream media because it's all doom and gloom. And that's why they're referring back to their local paper just to, it's probably like reading a good book, you know, that they, they, they get that enjoyment um, and satisfaction out of knowing what's going on in the community is not doom and gloom. Well, and that role of regional and rural journalism, particularly in local newspapers as a connector, is obviously really important and that's certainly reflected in a lot of the research that's been done into the importance of those types of news media. But what I'm hearing here is that part of your role in terms of leadership is facilitating those connections through your newspaper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, facilitating is probably managing. Uh, you know, we have our, our team is really small. We have a um, uh, we had a cadet who came out of Deakin, finished that, gave him a graduate year, so he's now doing he's finished all that. So we've got one journal, uh, not not um, full time, uh, three to four days a week. We've got one salesperson three days a week, and my production graphics person is um, three, three days a week as well. So it's about, I guess, facilitate, make sure my work gets put on hold um, and I, which is fine because to get the paper out, I have to manage and facilitate what they're doing 
and that can change in a moment, especially, as you know, in journalism. Like this morning I had a phone call, I had to race up to the local agricultural store and take a photo of the mayor in front of the Christmas tree at quarter past nine. So things can change. And just when you think you're, you know, you've got your list, um, 50 million things happen and you think, oh, there goes the list out the window. So it's about remaining calm and prioritising. So what kind of challenges do you think are specific to or special to uh, rural journalism and running a newspaper like you're running, apart Mm. from what you've said about, you know, things can change, but what are the challenges that you think are special and specific to regional journalism? Oh, gee, where do I start? Challenges, uh, time and... Mm. And people not getting back to you, you know, they everyone's busy and so you might have your day planned and then you might plant the seed for five or six stories and no one gets back to you. Um, but that's okay, you just go on to the next one. Um, so, yes, um, I won't mention COVID because it's different. People are, are submitting photos as well. So sometimes that's that's not so much of a challenge to keep going out, but we might have an event opening. So we went to one last week and so... And it was actually two and a half hours. Actually, it was yeah, two or three and a half hours, which wasn't really in our time frame, but we did it. And then I, I then say, forget the list. Just we can't turn back time, so we'll just concentrate on what we're doing. I don't like to put that pressure on the journos either. You can't micro manage as much, but because the work is getting done, so you can't be looking over their shoulder and saying, "Well, where's your five stories?" When we've been out for three and a half hours, it's, you know, it's not quite right. But, yeah, so the challenges are, um, yeah, it's a bit, I don't really see that many, but time probably is is, is the issue when we're, um, I've got to work in the newspaper rather than on it most of the time, which is, that's my challenge. So do you see your role as a community leader and do other people in your community look to you for leadership? And uh, this is not necessarily, leadership is not necessarily what most people think it is. Uh, it's not someone out there with everyone following along. Uh, it, leadership comes in different forms and shapes and sizes, as you probably know. But, yeah, I'm interested in relation to whether you see yourself as a, a community leader and whether others see you doing that role and what shape and form does that take? Mm. Uh, short answer is yes to your last question. The community do, and I see that and I get a bit embarrassed about that. I don't see myself as that at, at all, but they have a different perspective. And, yes, they put me up on a pedestal sometime and I'm, I find that hard to digest. I don't, I don't look for that. But I've always got something to say when, when I ask things and um, sometimes they'll, you know, come to me or ask me at meetings. I can fill them in and um, because they don't know and, and and I do. So most 99% of the time so. But, yeah, no, I don't see myself like that at all. So will this be about things that are happening in the community and what your perspective mm-hmm. on that is mm-hmm. and and they're trying to really inform themselves by talking to you because they know that you're across multiple issues at, at, over many times, really. Yes, that's true and because uh, that no one follows council, what happens in council, but us and what, what's in the paper. 
So sometimes I'll have some um, further background on that um, and also some historical information and which they're not aware of. So I can enlighten them about what has happened, what is happening and what is due to happen. So what specific characteristics do you think you have? And you've touched on one of these already uh, that uh, really inform your role uh, as the, the editor of this newspaper in a, a rural area. A mm. um, bit of a sticky nose, as we said. And the, so the characteristics and I, people will say, I like to chat and I, and I talk very quickly when I'm in a conversation because I'm busy. So, and, and then I'll tick it off and move it on. You know, if I had a flip phone, it would be, yep, see you later. Bye. I don't hang on the phone. I don't have time for idle chat. And so characteristics, yeah. And I love the community. I love Mashiach and um, I'm very passionate about that. So I guess that's why that I'm in this role because I don't like fake news. And I like to present both sides of that story. We don't, you don't have to sensationalise. It doesn't have to be hard hitting. It just present it as both sides and readable so that they understand it. A lot logical. You have to sort of dumb it down, if I may say. So, what do you want to achieve with your journalism? Again, to keep the community connected. And just keep up to date with everyday issues. Um, we have a few uh, things going on in our shire that the people need to be aware of and kept up to date on, and that is um, high voltage transmission power lines, uh, toxic soil coming out of the Melbourne Tunnel project, and um, rates. That's always a big one. And what council is um doing but it won't matter what you tell them what, what you tell the reader what council's doing or not doing it they won't be happy about that because it doesn't satisfy them we we try to but we don't get into the argument so and sometimes you can only dig so deep and they'll only tell you so much so you can only print what you know and if someone else knows difference they're more than welcome to take to take the job if they want one so <laughs> uh so has being a woman brought any extra challenges to you working in a rural community, Helen? No, because I know more than them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, interesting. Uh, So um, what other qualities do you think great leaders in rural communities have or should have? (laughs) Um, I think uh, a good listening ear. And listen to what everybody's saying, collated and put together. And then you're not going to please everybody. Um, but I think a good listening ear. We have a um, our chamber of commerce uh, president. I feel has a good listening ear and he comes up with great ideas. Um, I always need to see the other side of the coin because I always have tunnel vision. I have an idea, or someone has an idea. I think right, let's go with it. And then someone will give you the negative side. And that really disappoints me. So then I have to, okay, how can I go around that so I get my way? <laughs> so I like to uh, or incorporate it so I have part of my idea because I always think it's great. But someone will bring 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 you down on that. And um, 
yeah, I, I just think a good listening ear that, that benefits everybody. But as I say, not everyone's going to be happy in the community, and but you have to go with the majority in some ways. So it's really also about perseverance, I, I suppose, in a lot of ways. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Um, the community hates wasted money and, and council doing reports and strategies we, we see as wasted money, but unfortunately that's what they have to do. Whether, you know, if you wanted to build a walking track, we'd just go, okay, let's get half a dozen blokes with bobcats and we, and we, we can do that. Unfortunately, council has to spend $5 million uh, doing a study and, um, and we could have, probably could have done it for five with, with volunteers. <laughs> so, Helen, are there any standout stories that over your 18 years in the area reporting that, that really encapsulate what good journalism is about and what rural journalism is about? Uh, well, we do cover the, not, not recently because of COVID, but we uh, cover the court system because we have a magistrate's court in Bacchus Marsh and we always find that to be, to the reader, is amusing and interesting uh, because they're always local, 99% of them are local names. So that's probably the majority of our complaints as well that they're in there. But um, what capsulates are it? They like good news stories. Um, when you uh, someone turns 100, you acknowledge a volunteer who's done 50 years um, death. We, we, we might cover a funeral of someone in the community. They, they might not have done much, but they've lived here for, you know, those 87 years or, or something. So, and a lot of that time, people like that. People like to have seen those community members, and some have been volunteers, uh, acknowledged with the eulogy and some photos and stuff like that. So um, hard issues uh, covering council, covering our local hospital closures, uh, covering the progress of transmission lines, toxic soil, um, our avenue of honour, um, storm events and stuff. They, they do go to our Facebook page for updates on accidents and stuff like that. So we have to try and keep that up to date with what with what we know because it has to be real news, not fake news. So local newspapers have an important role in disaster coverage. Definitely. And, yep. And you well, were... Sorry. No, you go. Yep. I was going to say you said with disaster that just um, uh, alerted me to fires. Uh, in the 2009 fires, they came quite close to our, our shire. Uh, and if it wasn't for a wind change, it probably would have been catastrophic in some areas. So I had, um, you know, ear to the radio the whole time and it was horrific. And so you could just, people would go to our Facebook page. I had council ringing me to say, can you put up that there's the... Um, that there's the emergency relief centre is in town and it's open. So we would do things like that, about working together. I think relationships with your shires and, and your businesses um, is, is paramount. That's such an important point, uh, Helen, yes. and it came out of one of the other interviews I did for this project, that the relationship with local communities are, are absolutely key to the mm. success of local journalism. Mm, definitely, definitely, because without those uh, relationships, um, you haven't got news either. So, and you, and you might not hit it off with some of the people that are those volunteers in those, but, you know, that, that's okay. Water off a duck's back to me. <laughs> Helen, what, we're, we're coming to the end of the questions I had and I want to give you an opportunity to add anything else. 
but I did want to also ask you, what's the future for the Moorable News? Now, hopefully longevity. <laughs> uh, look, we, we, we just go day to day or, or week, week to week, and that's all we can do. Um, the news keeps coming, so we keep printing it, hopefully. And um, But with, we, we, we have got an online presence with um, Facebook and our website and, of course, with Google Showcase coming up and all those types of things. People are looking um, when they want their news, they want it now kind of thing and look we can't know everything so if people you know they send us messages to say oh there's this accident and there's a fatality and all that but you know we don't race out there to go to it because I've never taken a photo of a dead body I don't need to and that's not the interest the interest to me and to the reader is how did it happen how did the accident happen um skid marks on the road uh you put that on Facebook and everyone's got a theory so um, so that sparks conversation, but you have to have respect for, you know, the deceased and, and, and any disaster. You just have to, if we can put up credible news, that stops, that just stops it right there. You know, the door closes on any other because fake news, as we know, it happens everywhere. You only need one person to plant a bad seed and it takes off like wildfire and you can't have that, can't have that. So hoping that uh, what we print uh, historically as I said, is that is the news right there. I can't print fake news because I'd get sued and then I'd be, I'm, a, I'm Australian Press Council's best customer. So people complain all the time, but that's okay. They can. I have my, I don't, you know, we don't defame or anything like that. That's silly. But even though in a small in small communities you can have people who don't like you, but that's okay, I will still ask them, give them the opportunity to say no on anything. So put personalities aside and put your business hat on and just get get into it. If they don't have a comment, they don't have a comment, then they can't say, well, she never asked me. And how important is it that the, the news remains free? Well, that's an interesting one. For our area, it should, I hope, always remain free, no paywalls, because they're not used to it. For the last 18 years, they haven't paid for a newspaper. So... And I think um, I'm, a bit of, I'm a bit of an ABC junkie, actually, so I, um, I do like going to free news, and it can just be snippets. So you don't need paywalls or profits. So I just, um, yeah, I just don't, not free, free, free news. It's a free world. It's a free world, free news. Well, Thank you, Helen. It's been uh, really enjoyable talking to you. Uh, I'm not sure if there's anything else you'd like to add, but uh, we've had a, a bit of a rollicking ride through the history of the Murable uh, News and um, got a few good stories there, Helen. But, uh, yeah, uh, thank you very much on behalf of the listeners and the project. Mm -hmm. and, um, if you wanted to add anything, it's a good opportunity to do so now. Yeah, I will just in a little bit, if I may, when, when we talked about challenges, it just reminded me because we're a member of um, Victorian Country Press Association. So initially going to seminars and conferences and workshops, um, that was a really good eye-opener because we weren't the only newspaper that had small staff and and whatever. So the challenge that I found there was um, I didn't feel I fitted in, and um, 
but now I don't care. It's like this is how I run the paper. This is how we do it. People will tell you, oh, you should lay your paper out like this. Oh, you should have that font. Oh, no, we're unique. This is how we do it. And and so I will, that's how I like it. I like it to be presented. So um, the reader, I don't like small fonts. I, I like it. Let's make it just a little bit bigger so it's nice for the reader, being an, uh, an age community area that we have as well. And one thing about the free paper, we um having it delivered, we connect those communities with isolated communities. So like the mail run that I did, um, there's people out there used to wait at their mailbox for you just to bring them. them. They weren't going to get mail, but they knew that they had their paper every Wednesday. So, and I, and I think that then when they come into town, they have a conversation. They can have a conversation with their friends. And so it's healthy, healthy conversation. Oh, did you read that last week in the Marble News? When they ring up and say, I didn't get one, I said, no worries, I'll run around and put one in your litter box or something. So that that is the, I like the conversation aspect of the um, the isolated communities with, you know, that might be a husband that's died or wife that's died, so there's only one living there. But then they get to read the news and they can see someone's, um, you know, had, had a baby, their, you know, their, their friend's daughter or something like that. So they were a wedding or just, you know, grandkids. They can see them in the paper, so yeah, it's good. So healthy communities need a local mm. news site, a local newspaper. Oh, that's a really interesting point. Mm. I don't know what would happen if um, communities lost this paper. Um, yeah, it'd be a sad day. Mm. I'd feel a failure if that happened. Well, keep up the good work, Helen. Mm. Uh, yeah, uh, one day at a time. Mm. You can't be friends with everyone, but you can certainly do good journalism and make a contribution to your community. I have a very small Christmas card list. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, they say you can count your friends on one hand, so. <laughs> your real friends, that's true. That's true, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so, But it's been a pleasure to talk to you. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Um. Do you want me to send you a copy? If you like. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again, Helen. Um, I've really enjoyed it. Uh, I do kind of miss journalism every now and then and doing these interviews makes me realise that, um, you know, journalism can do good, which is mm. fantastic because yeah. it can do a lot of bad too. Yeah. I can sound, I sound probably passionate, but I think I am. I yeah. think I am passionate about the community. I'm compassionate about the product. And every day it's like, and then, you know, I'll go down in history because I was the one who put the paper out for 18 years and um, and that's what I say to the journals. I said, this is your resume. Don't worry about your resume. Just show them the paper. That's what you do. And, yep. um, yeah, so, yeah, it's. I think it's a, another chapter in my book anyway. A good chapter. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Helen. Pleasure. And I'll see you again. Yeah, thanks so much. Okay. Bye-bye. See you soon. Thank you so much for listening to the Real Rural Women's Leadership Podcast Series. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd be delighted if you would take a couple of minutes to rate and review our podcast on your chosen listening platform. If you'd like to learn more about this series or get in touch with us, we'd love to hear from you. You can do so via our website at 
www.realruralwomensleadership.com where you'll also find links to our Facebook, Twitter and Instagram accounts. Thanks again for listening.